This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. In the constant search for what makes us successful in our business lives, a new book looks at three key elements, gratitude, compassion, and pride as the integra- in, excuse me, as the ingredients to success, but also ones that leave you with a strong legacy as well. The book is titled Emotional Success, and the author is David Desteno, who is a professor of psychology at Northeastern University in Boston. He is also a fellow of the American Psychological Association, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show right now. David, welcome. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. So what was it that, that had you kind of hone in on these specific qualities? Well, you know, we do a, a lot of work in my lab trying to understand how emotions affect social behavior and, and self-control. And, you know, if you read a lot of the bestsellers out there on, on how to have grit and, and succeed and persevere in the face of difficulties, which many people are trying to do in their professional lives, right. um, the emotional side is kind of left out of it. Uh, and from what we see in our lab and in our work, there's a lot of emotions that make us willing to sacrifice not only to help other people, but to sacrifice to help our own future selves and to work hard. Um, and so I wanted to explore that side of it. And what I found, which hopefully we'll talk about, is not only do these, I'd like to say, not only do these emotions give you grit, they give you grace. That is, they, they help you build social relationships that give you a balanced success while you're trying to pursue those goals that will help you get ahead in your career. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned grit, and I, I saw the uh, the kind words that uh, our, our friend Angela Duckworth uh, gave you on the book as well, who we've had on the show. T- t- take us into a little bit of that relationship with grit. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm sure most of your readers are familiar with the idea of grit, right? It's, it's, it's the passion to kind of pursue your, your goals, to do something hard, you know, so, to be willing to work hard to, to get ahead. And um, if you think about me, when I, when I think about the word grit, besides outside of the professional domain, you know, I think about grit in the social domain. So people who have grit to me are, you know, the mom who might work three jobs to put her kids through college, and right. the grandfather who will, who will pull the, who has emphysema, who will pull the, the oxygen tank behind him to go see his, his, his grandson's game. Um, and what drives that lots of times? It's not this kind of planning, this, this willpower. It's, it's what you feel, and emotions are a big source of that. And so what we've been finding is that these three emotions, emotions that are intrinsically tied to social life, make people value their future goals and future rewards more. And because they do that, they're an easy way to help you accept the sacrifices in the moment that are necessary to get there. 844-WHARTON is the number if you would like to join in, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You know, what's interesting in, in, in having done this show now for a few years, uh, the the concept of emotion where business is concerned ha- has kind of been viewed a- as a weakness. Uh, but but it, it, you're saying it's definitely not the case there. It's not the case. And in fact, if you, if you look at the way people say, you know, you should have self-control and work hard and study hard to persevere, it's, it's a lot about willpower and it's a lot about suppressing your emotions. And sure, there are emotions that can make you want to throw in the towel or find the easy way out, but there are other emotions that make you value the future. And for me, I mean, if you think about where did self-control come from, where did the ability to delay gratification come from so that we could get long-term goals? For millennia, it really wasn't about maxing out your 401k or, you know, completing the whole 30. Those things didn't exist. 
what allowed you to be a success was to have good character, right? To be honest, to be fair, to pay back your debts, to be reliable. All that requires you to cooperate with other people rather than be selfish. And, and these were the emotions that underlie those. And you know, what I like to say is, yeah, these emotions help us sacrifice to help other people, but we can pivot their power so they also make us willing to cooperate with someone else who's important to us, and that is right. our, own, our own future self. Well, it's interesting because, uh, and we've talked about this on this show, is the fact that more and more companies these days want their employees to work together. They want teams of employees. Uh, so in thinking about some of these qualities, that would, I, I would seem to, to think that would lead into why companies want to do this, because in order to be able to do this, you need to have you know people get along, showing compassion with one another, showing gratitude and pride for success. Yeah, that's exactly right, and we're seeing that change. So, you know, a couple of years ago, Google's HR department—they have some other fancy name for it. I forget what it's called, but uh, they, you know, were trying to figure out which teams were most successful. And their prediction going in was the technical expertise, being a high-tech company, as you can imagine. But what the what they found is that the teams that actually had the most success were characterized from the top down, from the manager down as teams that had a lot of uh, a culture of, of empathy and compassion for each other. And the idea is exactly what you're saying. These people have to be willing to work together. Knowledge these days is very rare that one person has all the skills, and so they have to be willing to support each other uh, and to help each other. And it was a, you know, a, big, pre, a big determinant in success. You know, worked by your friend at, at Wharton, Adam Grant, yeah, um, yeah. On, uh, on, on these emotions, just showing the same thing. You know, he did work with Francesca Gino, showing that. And to talk about having to have grit, they looked at people who were working in call centers. And you can imagine how many, how many no's you hear when you're in a call sure, center trying yeah. to get things. And what they found is that when the, uh, the managers actually showed gratitude for these people's work, their efforts at trying to, to garner you know, money, it was, a, it, was a, it was a development office for fundraising, doubled. And similar you know, work Adam did with Amy Wisniewski at Yale, SOM, showed that um, anticipating pride in, in your success and having a culture where the managers reward that actually also increases people's productivity, but it also increases their, their resilience and lowers their stress. One of the other things that you bring up in the book is also uh, the use of these types of emotions uh, can also fight against loneliness. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of the plagues of modern day life, you know, uh, from 1985 till, till now, the percentage of people who, who said they, they had at least one good friend that they could rely on. Uh, dropped from you know percentage in the 80s to a percentage in the 50s. These days, 53% of Americans report that they feel lonely at work. And we know from lots of, of research that loneliness is as bad for you psychologically and, and in terms of your physical health as is smoking. That is, it will take years off your life. Yeah. Um, and so what these emotions do is because their origins are in kind of social relationships, when you're feeling them and experiencing them regularly and stoking a culture of them as a manager, they reinforce people's social relationships. And so, yes, they make you more willing to persevere in the face of challenges, but they also make you willing and to act in ways that draw others to you. And so when you, when you fail, when you have those bumps in the road, they will actually – you're in a better place because you have the social capital to support you. But if you don't have that in the workplace, then that carries over to the, you know, the outside of the, uh, of the business world into your personal life, and then you're probably running into, into various health issues along the way. No, you are right. It's not only long-term health. It's, it's, it's even you know, health within uh, daily life. Um, there's great work. Uh, by C. Galbar Said, who's also at, at, at Wharton, yep. who uh, 
shows that they were looking at another kind of high-stress workplace, um, individuals in like nursing homes and caregiving homes, and what they, in which you can imagine there's a lot of stress taking care of people who are in need. And what they found is on different floors, some that were characterized by teams that, that were, had a lot more empathy and compassion for each other, um, not only did the, the, the anxiety and the stress go down, but things like you know absenteeism went down for exactly the reasons you're saying. And so I think cultivating these emotions not only helps you know your employees and individuals feel better, have, increases their well-being, but it increases the bottom line as well. And I, and I think that's, that can be a really powerful thing. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of businesses initially starting in Silicon Valley, but now moving out more widely than that trying to, to uh, cultivate these virtues in their workforce. But is it to degree a, a bit of a cultural push? And I, I say that because seemingly we have more and more millennials that are, that are you know, in the workforce than ever before. And seemingly those are some of the traits that I think are, are linked to millennials. Yeah, although, I, you know, I, I think there's a hunger in millennials for that. Um, okay. Uh, you know, if, if, if you look at so Sarah Conrath is a psychologist, um, uh, who studied this? And over the past 30 years, there's actually been rates of empathy and compassion have been have been falling. Um, and I think I think in some ways that's where the millennials are coming into it now. Um, they're saying, "Wait, this is not right. We we're missing something in life here." And, you know, everybody is focused so much on their individual goals and trying to succeed in that rat race that that we're losing this this care. For others, and I mean that's part of the argument in this book. You know, people say to me, "Do you want to? Should I be a nice guy, uh, or should I be a jerk to be successful?" And I say, "What's your time frame?" Right. And the short term, if you want to be a jerk, if you <laughs> if you take credit for other people and exploit them, yeah, you're going to rise pretty quickly, but it's going to be very short lived, right? All the evolutionary models we know show that over time, the people who do the best are the people who are willing to share credit, to cooperate. And so if you want a balanced long-term success, inculcating these emotions in your teams and in yourself not only will give you grit, but it will give you that social capital to help you succeed as well. Which then, obviously, it, it filters up to the success of the company. Exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, companies obviously are, are, are looking for any way they possibly can to improve the bottom line, whether it's intentional or not, to be working, uh, you know, in different manners with their employees, having, you know, different mindsets with HR departments, you know, a variety of areas. No, you see, you see a, lot of, a lot of companies... Um, doing mindfulness programs now. And, you know, some of that originally was started by, you know, my friend Meng, um, who's Meng Tan, who was Google's Jolly Good Fellow and created that Search Inside Yourself course. And the way he sold Google on it was, you know what, yes, it's going to make the employees happier and feel less stressed, but that's going to increase your bottom line, and the data exactly show that. And, and that's fine. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's win-win for everybody in that sense. Um, you know, my goal in writing this book is to try and get people to move away from this very atomistic kind of route to success. We're just focusing on ourselves and suppressing our emotional sides and nose to the grindstone going ahead because, you know, that will burn you out. I mean, the, the problem with self-control, trying to first force yourself to work harder all the time, is that you're, you're kind of suppressing these desires to, to do something else, and your body's always in this state of, of tension. Um, whereas if you cultivate these emotions, they make you value the future more. And it, it's not a fight to pursue future goals. It's just easier. 
and it results in lower blood pressure and less stress and better sleep at night. And it's, I, I think, a more balanced way. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about the pride part of it for a second yeah. because I, I find that interesting because I think pride in most cases has been associated with the workplace as much as the other two, maybe even more so. Uh, that's that's kind of a historical thing that has been has been uh, uh, brought forth as part of being in the in the business community. You know, take pride in in the job that you do. So yeah. how so how does that kind of adapt in this new culture? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, and um, I, I thought you were going to say something else, which is kind of in the culture in general, pride often gets a bad rap. We, we tend to think of people who are, you know, egotistic and hubristic and arrogant. Right. But there, but this kind of, you know, traditional sense of pride in the workplace is exactly right. It's it's taking pride in your work, and if you take pride in your work, what does that mean? It means you're willing to work hard to do something that other people are going to recognize as valuable and superior. And, and where does pride fit in with gratitude and compassion? People always say that's kind of a weird mix. The way it fits in is all of these emotions are ways that make you valuable to other people, right? If, if you show gratitude, people know you're going to pay back your debts. You can be trusted. If you show compassion and empathy, they know you're going to invest in them. If you show pride in your work, it's a marker that you're doing something that people other people value and you're a valuable part of their team. So, you know, for example, in our lab, we bring people in and we'll have them work on these tasks that are god-awful difficult that we designed to be just that way. And if we make them feel proud, if we give them feedback that what they're doing is important and they're doing well at it and then they report they feel pride in it, they'll persevere 40% longer in doing Mm -hmm. so. And it's because of, you know, that social connection for us throughout most of our evolutionary history doing something that other people value that make us valuable to them was very adaptive because it means we're important to that group and they're going to work with us. It's funny you mentioned uh, mindfulness because my kids in in their school the last uh, two years, uh, my twins have had mindfulness class and they're, you know, eight years of age. So I'm getting more, you know, when I first heard mindfulness, I was like, what is this? And, <laughs> and honestly, you know, and, and I'm now starting to, you know, to gain a little bit more information about it. But playing off of that, you also take time to look at how uh, these type of qualities can impact children and then teenagers as they get through their, you know, their high school age and, and, and going into college as well. Yeah, it, you know, when you think about it, I mean, if you know, if you if you read the Atlantic or the New York Times, they'll tell you mindfulness, you know, it'll lower your blood pressure, it'll increase your creativity, and it does all of those things. But if you look back at his origins, and if you talk to the monks, what they'll tell you is the reason people, the reason meditation and mindfulness was created was to foster a deep sense of compassion for other people and to foster ethical behavior. And so a friend of mine who's a high-ranking monk says to me, you know, when monks first take their vows and they start you know, trying to, to be to be chased and to not drink and to not gamble. They mm-hmm. fail a lot like everybody else because sure. they're relying on willpower. But once that compassion is unleashed, suddenly it becomes easier. Suddenly the temptations go away, and what matters is doing something that's going to bring long-term good to yourself and others. And so I think in schools it's an important thing because, you know, not only does it help um, kids with emotion regulation, but it also, you know, fosters kindness and compassion 
and that lowers stress in the classroom, especially, you know, in the teenage and adolescent years. And I think that's why a lot of schools are, are, are working on these programs. So kind of flipping it to, to the other side, I mean, from the kids' perspective, we've also talked about, you know, the employee perspective. How does this type of, uh, of mindset, how does it change the leaders of companies, whether it be mid-level managers or the C-suite? Well, I think, you know, it affects everybody in the same way. That is, it makes them willing to kind of value the future more. And the more power you are, the more power you have, the higher up in the company, the, the, the more direction you can set. I think one big problem in business these days is, is kind of short-sightedness, right? Everybody's worried about, you know, what's the next quarter going to look like? And there's not as much room for kind of, you know, long-term thinking and long-term planning, which ultimately is going to lead to success. And so hopefully it, it, it changes people's views in that way if there's room to do so. But I mean, I, you know, let me, let me give you one example. So I think most, most people know Walter Michel's famous marshmallow test, where he would put a marshmallow down in front of a child who was four years old and he'd say, you know, you can eat this now, but if you can wait 15 minutes till I come back, you can have two. And what he's contrasting there is a desire right. for short-term reward right. versus long-term. And he found that the kids who could wait had better success, better, you know, all kinds of GREs. Since then, self-control has been tied to lower, you know, lower credit card debt, lower addictive behaviors, all these things. So what we do with adults when we do these experiments, because most adults don't like marshmallows, they do like cash, is we do it with cash. <laughs> Would you rather have small amounts of cash now or larger amounts of cash later? Right. And what we do is we find that if we make people feel grateful, their patience for that long-term reward goes up. Right? They're much more able to resist taking an immediate bonus now and waiting for long-term gain. What does that mean? It means they're more willing to invest their money. It means right. they're more willing to work hard. And so we can see that these emotions just change what you value. And I think to the extent that they do that to the, to the CEOs, it's going to hopefully foster a more long-term look and planning in the company. We're talking with uh, David DeStano, who is the author of the book Emotional Success, The Power of Gratitude, Compassion, and Pride. Your comments are welcome right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I'd really be interested to eat. I mean, when you think about all of these qualities and kind of uh, you know uh, bringing them more into the workplace and and bringing them into our lives even further, I'd be interested to get your opinion about what kind of an impact you think these concepts are having, these ideas are having because of this charged nature of society that we have, especially here in the United States right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I when I think about so two things on that. One is is you know, when you experience, when you cultivate these emotions, what they do is they spread. And so within corporations or even within your family, whatever group you're talking about, um, emotions are contagious. And so if I'm feeling grateful and I tend to show gratitude, the odds are the person working at the desk next to me or my kids are going to catch that emotion and also experience. But the other beautiful thing about these emotions is they don't only spread in a mirroring way, they spread in a reciprocal fashion. So, Dan, if I'm, if if you do something for me and help me out at work, I'm going to be grateful to you. Sure. Um, because I'm grateful to you, we have lots of work showing that I will then pay that favor 
forward to someone else who will then be grateful to me and they might show compassion then to someone else and so it, these these emotions will spread within the family within the working group etc and so i'm hopeful in that sense they'll have a a, a a calming effect in the charged atmosphere we have but the other thing i think they can do is you know david brooks likes to talk about this distinction between resume virtues and eulogy virtues right mm-hmm. resume virtues are the things we need to kind of get ahead at the job right and eulogy virtues are the ones we want to be remembered for things like kindness and generosity and i think there really isn't a distinction between these two inherently it's just that the way we're pursuing success in this world right now there can be because we can succeed on our own in a way we we couldn't before because we you know if we if you have enough money or resources you can get the support you need but if you cultivate these emotions they're going to not they're going to maximize both your resume virtues they're going to give you the grit to to persevere but they're also going to give you the grace to actually form those relationships so that, you know, when you're looking back on your life, it's going to be a more balanced success and you're not going to have as many regrets. Uh, the book is Emotional Success. Uh, David DeStano is the author of it. He's a professor of psychology at Northeastern University. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I, I find it interesting because obviously the idea to be able to bring a lot of these uh, these thoughts and, and feelings together and emotions together uh, does, as everything you just said, it, it leads to the potential uh, of, you can, I don't know if you can say mind shift, but it, it truly is a shift of some kind of what our culture and our business communities can be in the years to come. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, you know, it it, it can shift not only our, our day-to-day working culture and make it a much more I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to say relaxed that people aren't working hard. People are going to work hard, and we want people to work hard, but a much more cooperative, um, less, less anxiety-provoking com- competitive environment within people who are working in teams, and I think that will actually lower people's stress and increase their well-being. But I think in, it can also make a shift in, in what we're doing. I mean, right now, American society, to me, seems very focused on the here and now. What, what can I do in the moment? You know, infrastructure is crumbling debts are going up. Right. Um, I think we need to be a bit more long-term focused, and that requires some sacrifices in the moment. But th- the beauty of these emotions, right, is you might say, well, all right, I'm willing to accept the sacrifice to you know, pay more for clean energy or pay more for building roads and infrastructure. But if my buddy's cheating on his taxes or overrunning his lights and air conditioner, then I'm basically a sucker, right? He's free riding off right. my, my, my efforts. But the beauty of these emotions is what they do and what we see in our work is not only do they make individuals more willing to accept sacrifices, but they make them believe that other people are too. So they solve that free rider problem. And as long as everybody is beginning to feel these, then everybody is going to be willing to sacrifice and, and see good in other people and expect them to do the same and make us more willing to, I think, have a, have a long-term view on what's important in it, society. It, is that concern of the, of the free rider, of somebody you know, looking to take advantage, how, how significant is that in, in your mind in this, in this scenario? It's, I mean, it's significant, right? Because, I mean, in, in, in some senses, you don't want to be the person who is sacrificing for naught and letting others exploit you. But to the extent that you can make a paradigm shift so that within your small working group and then within your corporation and then within larger society that people are you know, making these emotions part of their lives, the beauty of these emotions 
is you don't have to think about it. When you're feeling it, they push you to do the right thing. They push you to be noble. They push you to work hard. They push you to cooperate. And so if we can change enough <laughs> of our culture to have these virtues, then I think we're going to make a big shift. I mean, it's never going to be perfect, right? But, you know, our goal is to, is to, is to increase our level of, 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 of cooperativeness and virtue as much as we can. It's a great book, David. Thank you very much for giving us your time today, and we wish you all the best with it, and we look forward to talking to you again down the road. Thank you, Dan. Take care. Thank you. All the best. The book is uh, by David DeStano, uh, as we mentioned, professor of psychology at Northeastern University and also a fellow at the American Psychological Association. Uh, It is titled Emotional Success, The Power of Gratitude, Compassion, and Pride, and it is available in bookstores and online right now, so you can pick it up at your leisure. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.